Over the past three Advents, we've been looking at the witnesses of Christmas. What do the people who were there at the birth of Christ have to tell us about Christ? What did What do they also have to tell us about our response to the newborn king? Many of those witnesses have been people that we would expect to be witnesses. They are are Mary and Joseph and shepherds and wise men. But there's been several witnesses that we've talked about that are, are really surprises that they get to be a main player to tell us about the incarnation. Christmas is always full of surprises. You can ask the parents of the girl that my son is dating. I can't remember the exact term. What is it now when you're texting and then you're talking and then you're, I can't remember how we do that, right? But now they are boyfriend and girlfriend for three months. I do know that. I know that term. Boyfriend and girlfriend for three months. So he went over to do the standard Christmas gift sharing at her house the other day. And I thought he was very creative, and it was very nice to see my son give her this gift where you open this box and out blooms, basically, all these pictures of their dating time before being boyfriend and girlfriend, and then now as their boyfriend and girlfriend, then you open a second box in the middle and blooms out some more pictures of their, and I thought this was really neat. Now, they have been sitting on this little bench, okay, together, and so when he hands her her gift, he realizes these pictures are going to just kind of bloom out. It's really neat how it's all going to come out. And so he kind of stands by the side, but when the first one blooms out and she's looking at the pictures, he wants to enjoy that with her. So, so my son... <laughs> she opens the next box, there's a smaller box. And more pictures bloom out. And finally she opens this last box. The flowers bloom out. And there's just one little box. Any idea what the dad of a three-month boyfriend (laughs) is thinking right now? It's a wonder my son's alive, right? That the dad didn't come. It's like, this is Christmas surprise. And the sad thing is it was the dad's 50th birthday. And so this kid's taking the spotlight. Surprise! It was a necklace. We're good. It was a necklace. There's been a lot of surprising witnesses along the way. Herod, God uses even Herod to tell us something about Jesus. Rachel from two weeks ago. And then there's a surprise witness that comes on the scene in Luke's gospel. So if you have your Bibles or your your, uh, Bible app, I want us to just do the math because this witness is everywhere, and I missed it for years. This witness is basically on every page of the nativity story in Luke's gospel, and it's the witness of the Holy Spirit. Over and over again, we see the activity of the wor- and the work of the Spirit. Let's just do the math together. Watch his activity, going back to chapter 1, verse 15, where the, the Spirit's on John the Baptist, even in his mama's belly. And then in 135, Mary is promised that this child will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then verse 41, Elizabeth gets not, she doesn't just have the Spirit on her now. The Spirit fills her. And then you drop down to Zechariah or Zacharias, depending on your translation, in 167, he's filled with the Holy Spirit as well. 
And then you get to turn to chapter 2, 25 through 27, when you get to the other side of the Christmas story. In Simeon's life, he, he's not only does he have the Spirit on him, but he's led by the Spirit, and the Spirit reveals things to him that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Christ. But don't stop there. Chapter 3, verse 22. Jesus has the Holy Spirit descend on him. Well, we get that. That's his baptism. Flip to chapter 4. Jesus is filled with the Spirit and led into the wilderness for his temptation. Chapter 4, 14. He's empowered by the Spirit. He receives acceptance. 4, 18. He testifies that the Spirit is upon him. From Jesus' birth all the way through his pub, to his public ministry, it's, it's, it's chapters that are saturated by the presence of the Spirit and the activity and work of the Holy Spirit. He's a witness to Christmas. Luke has actually set the stage. Nothing is going to happen at Christmas. Nothing is going to happen up to Jesus' public ministry or really through the whole gospel without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But this is a gospel. This is a gospel, so this... This revealed word is about Jesus. This revealed word, Jesus gets priority and he gets first place. So basically when, when Jesus' public ministry starts, you don't get anything else about the Holy Spirit. You find in chapter 11 that Jesus is rejoicing in the Spirit. In chapter 12, Jesus kind of says what the Spirit will do when he comes. That's it. Think about that. Nine occurrences of the Holy Spirit filling, moving, leading, revealing. Nothing. It just drops off the cliff in chapter 4. Why? Because this is a gospel. And Jesus has to get the spotlight. Jesus is going to get the attention. But Luke has already set the stage for Christmas and he set the stage for us. Whatever happens with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is always in the middle of that. I'm not on Twitter a lot. I help sometimes, and we're going to put stuff out. I saw a tweet this week. Uh, somebody tweeted out a very convicting word from A.W. Tozer that says, if the Holy Spirit pulled out of the church, we could still probably do about 95% of what we're doing. And then he goes on to say, if the Holy Spirit had pulled out of the early church, they could only do about 5% of whatever they were doing. It's a reminder to the church. You see it in our Savior's life. He's led by the Spirit. He's filled with the Spirit. You see it in Elizabeth and Zechariah. John the Baptist, that's how his ministry is funded. Mary, it's, it's, it's Spirit-filled and Spirit-led, but this is a gospel. So Jesus has to get first priority, but it's a reminder to us. In my discipleship, in our church, in my marriage, in my parenting, in our friendships, it's got to be spirit-filled. It has to be spirit-led. That's, that's every page of Christmas. But, again, being a gospel, Jesus gets the, the spotlight. And that, if you're following along in your notes, that's the first reminder. These are basic, these are basic reminders. I know that. Don't, don't email me about that. We're going to get some basic reminders this morning. Basic reminders we cannot miss as the people of God. Just, just stuff we already know. But we can't miss these truths of Christmas. When the witness of the Spirit comes at Christmas, he wants to remind us of some things that have to be a part of our response. And that, that first response is this. Jesus is first. 
Jesus is first. Now you think about this. That's the Spirit's witness. You see him working behind the scenes. I missed him as a witness for Christmas for, for years. But all he is doing is to help people receive Jesus and to honor and know Jesus. The Spirit. The Spirit. The one we said a few weeks ago when we recited the Nicene Creed together is the Lord, the giver of life, is to be worshiped and glorified. The Spirit, co-eternal, co-equal with the Son and the Father. And all he wants to do is to give Jesus first place. It's a beautiful picture of the God we serve. A picture of deferring, a picture of humility, a picture of stepping back and saying, you be known. You be given glory. Co-eternal, co-equal. I'm going to step up here and get noticed. No. The activity of the Holy Spirit behind everything that happens at Christmas, I want you to see Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. And you, you watch that. And listen, we can be tempted in our culture that's so much about the power of the Spirit and getting caught, in, getting caught up in the charismatic gifts and the power the Spirit gives. When the Spirit drops on Simeon, all he wants to do is talk about Jesus. Not about the Spirit. All he wants to do, and that's the, that's the work of the Spirit, is to give us all the grace and the benefits of Jesus Christ. You watch the early church. When the Spirit drops on the church, they don't say, look how filled we are. We've got tongues of fire. We are, we are filled with strength. What do they do? They stand up and say, let me tell you about Jesus the Christ. The Spirit, when he comes, he always lifts up Jesus. In the beauty of his humility and self-giving love, he always wants Jesus to have the center stage. It's a simple message. It's a basic message. We know this message. But at Christmas, the Holy Spirit comes to say Jesus has to be first. He speaks of the priority, the ultimate priority of Christ in our lives. When we come to this wonderful and warm season, the Spirit says, look at your life. I've been working throughout Luke to make sure you understand who he is and what he desires for you. He's got to be first. It's a good time for us to take that inventory and to do that work. Lord Jesus, where in an attitude, in my words, in, a, in, in, in how I do life, how I do relationships, where am I first, where are others first? Let me repent of that. The Spirit says Jesus is first. Secondly, uh, and, and you see that again in, in these notes when he says he came in the Holy Spirit. That's Simeon's verse uh, where, it, again, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, it's to make Jesus Make Jesus known. And then secondly, Jesus is God. Well, you know that. We sang that this morning. He's true God of true God. That's what we celebrate at the incarnation. But also what we remember at the incarnation is that he became incarnate. That God became flesh. And some, some, there are some issues with people getting hung up on that because the baby they saw that Christmas morning, he did what babies do. And we can get hung up on the fleshiness of Christ, and miss his deity, miss his divinity. Most of pop culture, when they talk of Jesus, they talk of him being a great philosopher, a master teacher, a revolutionary. 
and they miss that Jesus is God. I love what St. Augustine said of Christ in the 4th century. He so loved us that for our sake, Jesus was made man in time, although through him all times were made. He was made man who made man. He was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by hands that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy. He, the Word, reminding us again that Jesus is God-made flesh. We can't miss that again. When I was on Twitter once this week to, do, to put out a post, I saw another tweet. And they were sharing that some people will argue, well, that was decided at that Nicene uh, Creed. When they had the Nicaea Council, that's when they decided that Jesus was Lord. And I love this little tweet. It says, are you kidding? Jesus said Jesus was Lord. Just read what he said about himself. Read what Thomas said when he said, my Lord, my God. Read what Paul said. Read what everybody who was confronted, as Paul was also confronted with Christ on the road to Damascus. Everybody confronted with Jesus uh, and, and the disciples called him Lord. And then that person, even just whatever the character limit was, was, be able, was able to name all these names that I cannot spell, I cannot pronounce, but all talked about the deity of Christ in the second and third century. Tertullian, Irenaeus, if anybody's looking for a baby name, Hippolytus. There you go. They all knew. Everyone knew. We say, well, preacher, I know that. It's not what our culture says. 93% of people in our country believe that Jesus actually lived. And I don't know what those other 7% are reading. Because even the enemies of Christ, the Romans and Jews, talked about Jesus routinely in their writings. But only 80% of us believe that he was maybe at least the son of God. 73% of the people in our country believe that the Bible story about Christmas is accurate. So at least a quarter percent say it's all, it's all just a lie. Uh, but when we get to talk about uh, uh, Jesus and how we can sometimes think he's flesh, and this is not a... This is not a take on teenagers, but the statistic I read talked about teenagers. 43% of teenagers, when they were polled, said Jesus sinned. We make him very fleshly. And as we said a few weeks ago, yes, he, he is a high priest who can empathize with our weakness, as Hebrews says. He knows our stuff. He came, and, and, and as John 1.14 says, he moved into our neighborhood. He took on all of our stuff, but was without Sin. Why? Because he is true God of true God, as we sang this morning. Luke's gospel, what the Holy Spirit shares with us, being a part of Christ's conception, reminds us again that the babe born in that manger, the newborn king, is God himself. And when he comes to us, he comes as God. When he comes to us, we're confronted with the, the, the reminder that he is God and I am not. It's a great truth we hold on to and celebrate, but also need to let that push us and, and prod us this season. Where, where have I set up my little kingdoms? Lord, you, when you came, you, you, are, you are Lord, you are God. And then thirdly, it's a great gift to us here to be reminded again that Jesus is near. 
Jesus didn't just come so that he might die for us and forgive us. That's the heart of his coming. He didn't just come to, to, to do away, as he said, with the works of the devil. He didn't just come so to display God's love. As that's, that's critical. He didn't just come to emphasize with our, empathize with our brokenness. He didn't just come to reveal teaching and truth. It's a reminder from Genesis 1 all to the very last picture you basically get in Revelation that God wants to draw near with his people. He just wants you. What did you want for Christmas? What was, what was the big gift? There's actually a website that, that tells you what the big gift is. They started doing this about 20 years ago. So I don't know what the gift was from 25, 30 years ago before that. I'm assuming it's a Red Rider carbide action, 200 people, you know, whatever that thing, compass in the stock and this thing that tells time. So I'm assuming that was the gift. But I looked through some of these this week. In 1983, any parents remember the absolute trouble you had trying to find a Cabbage Patch doll for your child? The ungodly amount of money you spent to get that right? 1989, it was a Nintendo Game Boy. Anybody have one of those? 1995, the Beanie Baby. We were all going to save them because they were going to be worth $5 million now. How's that working for you? And the sad thing is, the year after that, it's the Tickle Me Elmo. So all those parents in the 90s were broke. They didn't have anything. The iPod, 2002. The Nintendo Wii, 2006. I'm I'm out of the game now for things like that. In 2015, apparently there was a sing-along Elsa doll from Frozen that we fought over. A lot of wonderful gifts. And I I love that part of this tradition. Uh, I love this great gift that we get in Luke. That the Holy Spirit, through the, his testimony, is reminding us. And you already see it in the activity of what happens at Christmas. is the Holy Spirit comes near. That part of the great gift of Christ is not just that he wants to clean us and save us. But it's, it's redeem us and reconcile us to the Father. To bring us near. And some of us will, will, will think, I am so messed up that maybe he might save me. There's no way he wants that kind of intimacy with me. You been there? I I just don't feel it. You press through your feelings, and you hear what Luke says over and over and over. He is God. He is King. He is Savior. And he just wants to be with you. He wants to come near. You let him do that. Does your prayer life look like that? Do you believe that? Does, does your life look like that? That you believe that the God would be in you and walk with you? Does your, does your ministry and mission look like that? You're stepping out in faith because you believe God is with you. It's the great truth of this season. He is Emmanuel. God with us. My feelings sometimes fight me on that. Or my, my sin sometimes fights me on that. But, but scripture, scripture will fight us on that. God wants to come close. He wants to be with you. And I love, I love this last reminder in Luke 1.15. That when he comes, he not only, I mean 167. When he comes, he not only wants to be with us, but he doesn't leave us as we are. I've told you before about some issues at my house. 
about my, in my growing up years, my father's Christmas light display. Um, it was hard being his son. It wasn't hard being my dad's son. There was some stuff when he's your coach and he's your principal. I'll tell you more stories about that someday. I found out, though, my mom watches this on Facebook Live, so I really have to be careful because uh, she'll tattle on me. Um, it was bad what he did in the 1970s. But when you're doing what you did in the 1970s in 2019, that's really bad. I mean, it's so bad that my mother has regulated it to the back of the house. He gets the back of the house for his Christmas light display because it's kind of tacky and bad. But out front, he now has two reindeer, one of which barely moves. It's supposed to move, but it barely moves. I mean, you feel bad for that deer, right? But somehow, there's, I can't remember the other animal, but there's a narwhal in that. I have read the Christmas story several times. I don't remember a narwhal being a part of any of the, it's bad. But I get it. This is such good news that the celebration has to be shown and seen and put on display. If I have Christ near, something has to be out here to celebrate that. That's what we get about the Holy Spirit. Not only do we have the Holy Spirit showing us the intimacy that God wants, that he's routinely on or even before Pentecost is in several people, but watch what happens to their lives. You go back and do the math again in Luke's Gospel, 1 through 4. When he comes to Mary and says, this Christ will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Once the Holy Spirit shows up and there's that kind of talk, it's only then that Mary can say, be it done to me. In the verse I've given you uh, here in 167, Zechariah is filled with the Spirit, and it's only then that comes after he can prophesy what he needs to say. You go back a few verses to Elizabeth. It's only after Elizabeth's been filled with the Holy Spirit that she can say, Mary, you are blessed among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And she can encourage this young girl who's been confronted by this amazing but scary news, and she's running to get help and advice. And the reason Elizabeth can do and say what she needs to do in Mary's life and to give the encouragement she needs to give, it's not because of some great wisdom, not because of some great insight that she has. I'm not enough. For your friends and your family, you're not enough. But when the Holy Spirit comes, she can have right wisdom and discernment, and something is produced from that, and it's a good word. It's an edifying word. It's a helpful word. You just see it everywhere. When the Holy Spirit comes on Simeon in chapter 2, it's only then that he can have revealed that this Christ is the one who will be a light unto the Gentiles and the glory of his people, Israel. And you even see it in Jesus' life. Or when later, when Luke part 2 comes up, when Pentecost comes, Peter doesn't have to be Peter anymore. One of the great truths of Christmas is when Jesus comes, when the Spirit also then later comes, there's always an and. It's not just that Zechariah was filled. It doesn't stop with his nearness. But he was filled and he prophesied. I don't have to be me anymore. I still get to be me. Christ is working out his image in me. But I don't have to be who I was. God's doing a work in me. I'm not only filled, but there's some things that are changing. That's his heart at Christmas too. 
not just to come near, but he's not going to leave Barry like he was. There's going to be a change, and there's going to be a display in his life. When the light of the world comes, he then remakes us so that we can be his light. I love the story that I'd heard from a former church member. I'd gone back years ago to do his funeral um, and was reminded of this story. But he talked about serving in World War II in the Pacific Ocean over in that theater of combat. And he was stationed on an island where they had, they had gained about a three-by-three-mile hold of an island that was three miles by 40 miles. And he said that they landed there in September, and every night the enemy would send over what he called a wash tub. But at 6 o'clock every night, it was just some poor, pathetic plane in the dark that would come over and try to drop a bomb on them. Poorly, poorly loaded, poor craftsmanship. They should have just blown it out of the sky, but they didn't have spotlights. They couldn't see it. And so they had begged and begged, please send us spotlights so at least we can see this. It's not doing much damage. We can set our watches to it. Six o'clock, here he comes. But help us, give us some spotlights. Went through September, nothing. October, nothing. November, nothing. Every night at six o'clock, they got ready. Here it comes. It was Christmas Eve, and it wasn't a wash tub this time. It's what my former church member said uh, was a monstrous machine fully loaded for bear Christmas Eve six o'clock and they shot it out of the sky before it could drop its payload why because at Christmas Eve the lights had come at Christmas the light of the world has come and and we worship him for who he is his light but he's not a selfish God when he comes and the Holy Spirit comes. What you see is person after person after person of the Christmas story and then the disciples and then the church is when he comes, he comes to do this work. He doesn't just fill. He brings his light and he puts us on display and we get to be his ambassadors and representatives. This Christmas, know that he is near. Know that he is God. Know that he has to be first, but he's not done with you. He wants to do a new thing. What could that be? What will that be? Let's pray about that. Fathers, we come to this Christmas season. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that as he does his work, it's not about himself. He never speaks about himself, but he just draws us to your son Jesus Christ, to his saving work and his sanctifying work. Fathers, we continue to respond to this, your word. Bless us that we would see the headship of Christ, that he is to be head and first in all things. The lordship of Christ, that he is fully God. Help us to see your great desire to be with us, to press through any feelings and to hear the truth of Scripture, to walk with you and to know full relationship with you. But Father, we're also open to whatever by your Spirit you will do in us. You've shown that time and time again that you're a God who will not leave us as we are. Father, help us to step out in faith and allow you to do that work through your spirit, we pray. We pray all these things for the glory of Christ and in his name. Amen.